0: There you go. This is interesting. This is an article that was in the World News. And Sid Roth, he has a TV program called Supernatural, and in this article it says, their God changes the path of our rockets in mid-air, says a terrorist. Now he was asked, how come they weren't better shot, shots? And this was his response, because their God changes the direction of the rockets. Oh, yeah. Now that's exciting. Now I'm like, man, that's enough to get, man, that'll preach. I can get excited about that, and uh, I got that, and I thought, ooh, yes. So, God's gonna take care of his people. The thing that amazes me about that is they still serve the wrong God, <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting aspect of it. But I've seen that, and Sid Roth, he's ha- you know, he's a Jewish guy that, that you know, Jewish history, what do you call it, legacy, or what do you want to call it, that does these, and he's really good. About those. So I thought that was interesting to ver- you know, verify this information because that's good for us as Christians. You know, sometimes we wonder, oh, God, does you know what's going on in the world? Yes, He does. He absolutely does. And He's going to protect Israel. So if you're God's enemy or uh, Israel's enemy, you're going against God. Amen? Let's pray before I get carried away on this subject. Our President, Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord, and your blessings. And we ask loud your anointing upon this service and upon this message that you've given unto me. Open the ears of the people to receive it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Now, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think we're going to be in there for a long time. We're on part 18. I don't know. It's really, you think, man, how in the world can you preach so long on 40 verses? I don't have a problem at all. I could, and actually, I've cut some of them a lot of short because, uh, you know, I could... Expound on it again. Like We could go back through the other verses I've talked about and talked about other stuff without t- touching the same thing except the verses. There's a lot of stuff there. People say, oh, I read it once. Well, that isn't going to cut it because you can't read it just once and get all that's in there. And I'm amazed that I read verses and I read stuff and I never catch them sometimes. It's just, you know, God reveals it unto you. And he reveals something different to me every day, or every time I'm studying his word. And if you're, he's not doing that for you, it's because you don't reading enough, and you don't care. Oh, I gotta read my chapter today. You got read it. Let's see, you're reading it with your word, with your mouth, but your thoughts are somewhere else. And say, so God never talks to me. God will talk. God talks to everybody. The problem is, you gotta listen. You can't listen to a certain radio channel like on the oldies on Cyrus Radio. You can't listen to that unless you have the receiver and the radio and it's on the right channel. And that's the same thing with God. You can't hear God unless you're on the right frequency. So that's what we need to do if you want to hear from God. Matthew 5:43. You heard. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemy. Now as believers, we know we're supposed to love people. And you know, we're taught that so it's something that we kind of accept. But in Jesus' day, they were taught and believed that you can love your enemies, I mean hate your enemies and, and love your neighbor. That's their theology and um, it was a hard time for them because Jesus comes and they ask, "Who my neighbor is?" Remember when they asked Jesus, "Well, who's my neighbor?" And that, that's where we got the story of the Good Samaritan, because of this. Because this is where their background was. They thought, I can love my neighbor and hate my enemies, and that's okay with God. And uh, so that, that participa- precipitated that. Now, Psalms 139, 21 and 22. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Now, if we read this verse on the surface, surface, it seems to support that it's okay to hate, doesn't it? That's, this is one of those things, that's why we need to study, to find out what is beyond the surface of, of things. Then we go to the next verse, Psalm 139, oh, excuse me, 101, 3. Hopefully I, put it, I didn't put it up on that one. I put it up on my other one. Oh, I'll have to read it for you. Psalm 101, 3. I hate what faithful... Faithless people do. I have to. I have no part in it. Now, these two verses don't contradict itself. See, when you get something in, in the Bible that seems to contradict itself, those are the ones you need to study out to find out because there are no contradictions in the Bible. God's word is true. And he's a big enough God to be able to maintain his word from five, six thousand years ago, or whatever it is, when the first book was actually written, they believe Job is the oldest Bible, actually, or Bible book of the Bible that was written. God can take care of His word from here to here to a thousand years in the future. God can do that, and if you don't think God can, your God isn't big enough, because God can do anything. And people and I, and I always get this argument with people. Of course, they want to. Not listen to what God says because it disagrees with their lifestyle. So they say, Well, I'll just you prove to me, how do you know that's true? Well, if there's if He's a God, He's God. If He can't do that, then He's not a God we should serve or worship, right? Yeah. I mean, what's the point? If He isn't big enough to maintain His word, then He, we, why should we serve Him? When our kids are little, they're easier to maintain, aren't they? <laughs> Of course, I don't know. Our, our kids had an had attitude problem from day one. Our oldest son, he, he really had an attitude problem. And when I tell him to do something, when you got a, a two year old and trying to tell him to do something, don't touch that. How many problems? Remember that, as parents? I, I tell people to bring over their kids I am not putting my stuff up. You will teach your kids not to touch it. <laughs> What's so hard about that? because they had the attitude, mine, everything is mine. I remember Jason, he wanted to touch something and, and I told him, no. I said, no. I said, no, I said, no, 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 no. Finally, I took his hand, no, nope. his hand was beat red because he was gonna do it, but see, I'm big enough to make sure that the, the, what I said goes. And that's the same thing with God. He's big enough to take care of that. Only God would have took care of it before the first no. But God's able to do that. Now, we have to just understand that, that, well, the research I did on that verse found that every theologian that I looked at looked at the same way, that David was hating the things that people were doing, not the people. And that's what we as believers need to do. We need to separate people from the things that they do. God does that with us. See, we can hate the things that God hates. But we can't hate people. God doesn't hate people. There's nowhere in this Bible where you'll see that God hates people. What we see in this Bible is where God loves people. He loved us so much that Jesus came and died. So he doesn't hate people. He loves people. He died for us. So we need to understand that. So that, it it just doesn't make sense if you're trying to get this to fit into God's Bible or God's word. It doesn't fit. So we have to realize that's why we have to study. Because if we, oh, yeah, I'm going to cherry pick this one right out of here. I ain't going to study it because it says what I want to hear. But when you study it, you're going to find the truth. And the truth will never contradict itself, no matter where it's at. And uh, (coughs) so we have to interpret the Bible as a whole. Now, we all know that, and I say it enough times that uh, we should know that. The Bible isn't 66 books. There's 66 basic chapters in this book, but it's one Bible. We read books all the time. They have chapters broke down. They have subtitles and paragraphs and different things that's there. The Bible is one book that has 66 chapters with subtitles. And so you can't pick part of the Bible out and say something fits when it doesn't. That's the important thing we need to understand about the Bible. Usually, when you, we think there's a contradiction, it's because we haven't studied it or we don't know studied it as a whole, read it in context, with everything else that's going on. And uh, but I've found out, and we, I've talked about it, that love isn't an emotion; it's a commitment. When, you, when you're committed to somebody, when you marry somebody, say, I'm going to love you, I'm committed to you. Now, we say, I love you. That sounds a lot better than say, I'm committed to you, you know? Because, be so you know, I'd kind of like you to love me, too, you know? <laughs> but love is a commitment, and our and actions support that commitment we have to love. Our actions support it. Well, hate is the opposite of love, and hate isn't an emotion. It's a commitment, I never really thought about that till I did this because hate is a commitment. We have to be committed to it. Whether we wanna agree with it or not, it's not an emotion. We may have a emotional response which is an action resulting from it, but it's a commitment. And we know this is true because when we have somebody that does something to us, what's the first thing we do? Other than the interior, our emotions are all messed up and you know, feel bad that they hurt us or whatever. First thing we do is an action. We avoid them. I'm not going to be around them. I don't like them anymore. It's a, we've committed to that fifth thing. We're committed to that, so it's, it causes an action. And uh, love causes people to do good works, and hate causes people to do evil works or bad works. That's the reality of it all. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. There are only two masters in this world. Now, this is God speaking. I'm not saying it. I read it. It's in the Bible. If you don't like it, take it up with the author. There are only two masters in this world. You're either serving God or you're serving Satan. We don't like that. We don't like to realize, I ain't serving Satan. You know We just get all a huff over it. I'm not serving Satan. There's only two masters. If you're committed to one or the other, that's the reality of it. Look, check your life. Are you committed to God or are you committed not to God? See, that sounds a little better. I'm not committed to God. That sounds better than saying I'm committed to Satan, doesn't it? Ooh, Scary. Ooh. But uh, now we wouldn't like it, those that are married. How would you like your spouse to be faithful to you most of the time? How many would be okay with that? No, we would not be okay with that. We would have a blanket party. How many of you know what a blanket party is? Yeah. Okay, for those that aren't, a blanket party is when you, you grab the person involved and you wrap them in a blanket and you hit them with baseball bats. Call it a bite or kick them or whatever. Blanket parties. They haven't had it in the had it military before they had all those other things. If someone in, the, in your platoon was messing up a lot, they would have a blanket party and straighten them out. They'll kick that attitude right out of them. They probably don't do it now, but they did years ago, and uh so we wouldn't be happy with that. Well, God isn't happy with it either. He didn't like us to be faithful to him part of the time. Well, I'm faithful almost all the time, except when I want to go do this. You've just went from faithful to God to serving you've changed masters right o- right over that incident. Matthew 5, 44, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Our enemies are different than God's enemies. This is love your enemies because your enemy may not be God's enemy. We have to have the attitude just over well, our enemies. We perceive our enemies to be because we're supposed to love people. And we're supposed to pray for those who persecute you. I pray for them. I pray David's prayer. Kill them, God. Kill them. Have you ever prayed that prayer? I like that cherry picker right out of there. Kill them, God. Kill them. Cherry pick that right out of there. It's in the Bible. I'm going to use it. But it's um, we're supposed to love our enemies. Now, an enemy is a person hostile or opposed to a policy, cause, person, or a group. One who actively tries to do damage. That's an enemy. Terrorists are a good example of this. They are enemies, aren't they? I yeah. um, Man, we sit there and, you know, with all this stuff going on in Israel right now and the Hamas and, and their, the propaganda war is in full swing. If you follow it on the news, you wouldn't know what's going on. They think Israel's supposed to sit there and let them pet bombs there and let God destroy them or whatever. We wouldn't put up with it. Somebody's sitting there shooting at my house, I guarantee you, I'm shooting back. Yeah. And uh, so they're not going to, they don't stand for it. But they want Want them to, the pressure of the world is on them, to have a peace, take a peace break. But we wouldn't have had no peace break. We didn't in Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Oh, we'll just give them time. They didn't really mean it. Yes, they did. Now, we could have just had no response. That's what they want Israel to do. But we responded, didn't we? We not only got it in the war, we won it. And Israel has to win this war. I know that there's thousands of innocent people dying, but it's only because they're hiding behind the innocent. They want to kill as many people as they can this direction, and they want them to not kill them, so we're going to hide all our bombs here. But Israel gives them a warning. Now, what nation in war ever warns the people that I'm going to bomb you here? Get out. Man, I wouldn't. I'd just bomb them. Man, they got to clean up that mess over there. If they don't, of course, like I said, it's all in God's hands. Don't be surprised if it gets worse. Yeah. If it gets worse, maybe people will come to church and get saved. Yeah. That's the that's the silver lining, right? That's why we're here. We want to reach people. And God's will is going to be done whether you like it or not or whether I like it or not. Yeah. I try to dictate to God what he's going to do sometimes. Yep. And I hear him laugh every time I tell him what I want to do. So if you haven't heard God laugh yet, you haven't been trying to get your plans run across the board. So the scribes and the Pharisees believed hating their enemies made them righteous and honorable. Because, hey, that's a good deal, right? But then Jesus comes along and says, oh, no, 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 this is not Right? See, as you progress through the study of the New Testament and the Gospels and uh, things that were going on, you see why they hated Jesus so bad. He was messing up with their religion. Not the Bible, their religion. He didn't like it. They made their living off this religion, and, man, he was just messing with the offering plates. You want to hurt somebody? Mess with their offering plates. That'll do it. But so they didn't like him. Now, Jesus we're supposed to love our enemies, Man, we just hate hearing these words. I'm not kidding you. We want to jump right over this. That's why it's good to go through this in a series, because sometimes they don't preach on the hard stuff. I preach on it all. Doesn't matter what it is. I don't care. I mean, I'm not always comfortable preaching some things. (laughs) But I'm going to preach it. I don't care. As long as I'm here, as long as God wants me here, I'm going to preach the truth. And from this. A, B, A, to B, to C, through the alphabet, you name it. I'm not going to change anything I preach no matter what anybody else does. But this doesn't make any sense to us, does it? Because if we loved our enemies, they wouldn't be our enemies, would they? That's our, that's our thinking. Uh, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We need to understand that God's thinking isn't like ours. We have a tendency, which is to our downfall, thinking that God is like us. And he isn't like us. He thinks different than us. He, loves, uh, he loved us when we were his enemies, and different things that just doesn't fit into our plan. And we try to bring God down to our level when God wants us to bring, it up, bring us up to his thinking and the way that he does things. Uh, Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And Romans twelve twenty says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning clothes on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God hasn't changed his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't, Jesus didn't just come and die, and all of a sudden, all the theology has changed. He says he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. And we need to understand that. And this is truth. Cover to cover, it's truth. We have to enter, come to the conclusion of this when you're reading the Bible. If you don't, it won't change you. And if you can't believe it's God's word, study it until you do. Because if you, you can't study that very long to find the history of it and realize God had to do it. Just like Israel, God had to do it. Changing the, the course of rockets in the air isn't easy. And they don't like it because it's an embarrassment. I'm aiming here and it isn't hitting the target. That'd be an embarrassment, would it? So, um, but God can do it, but there's, um, we need to understand the main reason that we're supposed to love our enemies is because Jesus said so. That should, that should end it for all of us. We shouldn't need to try to figure anything else. If God said it, we need to do it and ask figure that he's going to give us the strength to do it. Uh, There's four reasons we should love our enemies, and, of course, that's the first and foremost. The second reason we should love our enemies is because it's in our best interest to do so. Now, okay, now my ears are perking up a little bit. It's good. It's going to be my best interest. Uh, Matthew 46, 546. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now, I remember in the, in the movie Star Wars, and I think there's b- probably most of us already seen Star Wars, and there's a scene where uh, Princess Leia is trying to get Han Solo to help her and take the Millennium Fa- Falcons to take her to where she wants to go. And he didn't want no part of this, and, he's, and she says, there will be a reward. A reward? How much? A l- more than you can imagine. I don't know. I can imagine a lot. Well, that's kind of what the reality of what's going on here, because we can imagine a lot, but God says above and beyond what you ask or think. We can't even fathom in our minds what God has prepared for those who love Him. We can't understand it. We can't grasp it. There's going to be a reward. That should perk up our ear. I can think of a lot. I've got a great imagination, and I can get a lot. Amen? Luke 6 35. Love your enemies, do good to them, that, good to them, and lend to them without expecting to give anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Now, we don't like him being kind to the ungrateful and wicked, do we? We hate that part. See, but God, God knows how hard this is to love people that our enemies are by our interpretation. They've done something to us, our enemies. God knows how hard it is, so he promised us a reward. Next slide, please. What's well, kind of what the reward is. Now one research stated that people who do not forgive tend to have a higher rate of divorce, experience more stress, have more depression, and suffer from more cardiovascular disease and strokes and heart attacks. By contrast, people who forgive, or loving their enemies, because you can't you have to forgive before you can love somebody, don't you? They suffer less from depression, have more friends and family to support them, and are better at making friends than those who carry grudges. This is part of the reward, and that's here. Our reward isn't out there somewhere. It isn't out in the cosmos, clear past Pluto or some other galaxy. It's not there. It's here, and it's now. Sure, we have a reward there. We have a future, and we can't be able to comprehend what God's done for us. But we have a reward here. We have a reward in our health. We're healthier. Christians should be healthier because stress and unforgiveness causes more sickness and disease than anything. Because God's blessing cannot flow through us in his healing waters. A blessing can flow through us as long as our hearts are right. But when we have forgiveness or we hate people, then it stops up that flow. And it just kind of becomes stagnant. Now, we know what happens when water gets stagnant, doesn't it? The water stinks and smells and we have some mosquitoes and mosquitoes go around spreading diseases and they just irritate us, don't they? So, when, But when we get rid of that stuff, God's blessing flows through us and our life is better. We're happier, we're healthier and all, and all the other kind of things that we have for the here and now when we can do it God's way. God rewards us. Forgiveness is good for us and we will be rewarded physically and spiritually, especially spi- spirit- spiritually. Doug V. Steer said hating your enemies is just a prolonged form of suicide. That's true, isn't it? Because when you have unforgiveness or hate in your heart, it just grows and it just stagnates in there. And every, you know, just like that, it all comes out. And you spew infection all over everything. And eventually, if you don't get rid of it, it will kill you. Depends on how good a hater or or unforgiver you are. And it's amazing, though, when you live a life of forgiving people, it's easier to do. I'm not saying you have to let people get away with things. I know what I'm saying. You just need to get smarter. If somebody borrowed money from you and didn't pay it back, don't give them anymore. Simple. Simple. That's why I tell you know I figure out you know I, I want to borrow twenty bucks and I give them the twenty bucks I'm basically kissing that twenty bucks goodbye because if I don't they don't pay me back every time I see them so they owe me twenty bucks <laughs> mm, I'm gonna go egg their house or whatever no just figure it gone forgive them if they pay it back then hey that's great but if they don't don't do it again like I said it, it, it people that just say oh I gotta forgive but I gotta, don't have to let them do the same thing over and over and over again. If you're doing that, come and talk to me. We need to sit down and pray with you. You don't have to lay down on the ground so they walked all over me so next time they come over you just lay on the floor. Don't, no, you don't. Don't have to do that. Aren't you glad? See, you came just for that. That's worth it, right? 2 Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for people who obey him to bless, to strengthen, to make their life easier. He's looking. Now, if you ever look for something, when I've looked for something that I can't find, man, I turn the house upside down looking for it, don't you? So that's basically what God's saying he's doing. He's turning the whole place upside down looking for those that he can bless. Now who's he looking for? Those that do not hate their enemies, those that love their enemies and do what God said. Those are the ones that God's looking for. So if you're doing those things, God's looking to bless you. So quit running and stand still whew, and see the glory of the Lord. Amen. Okay, the Matthew 5:47. If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? The third reason we should love our en- as the enemies is to show that we're not like the pagans. The Bible teaches us that when we become Christians, we belong to God. So if we belong to God as believers, who's the rest of the world belong to? Only two masters. Of course, I wouldn't be telling people this. You know, on purpose, you may end up missing some teeth because they don't like to hear it. But there's only two places, so they belong to the Satan. They belong to the world. Before I got saved, I was a good soldier for for Satan. I was. I wouldn't like anybody telling me that. But that's the reality of it. I was good. I was a good sinner. I'm glad I, you know, I had a doctorate, PhD, whatever, in sinning. I was good at it. And it's easy to do. Sinning is so much easier to do than doing what's right, isn't it? But now that I become a believer, I change sides. And I want to do what God wants me to do. I belong to God, and I'm going to live the way God wants me to. And I want to try my best to. I mess up, and I stumble, and I fall, and I ask for forgiveness. But I know that I'm, I'm a believer, and I'm on the side of God. See, we try to make God on our side, but we don't need to. We need to be on God's side. So we need to do that because the world will know that we're not pagans. How many of you, uh, somebody said something to you, you're a Christian and you did that? You ever had that said to you? My mom said it to me a time or two because sometimes she thought I was too um, adamant about certain things. But they do, they say that. They say things like that not because they want to compliment you. It's because they want to tear you down. They want to say, oh, you got religion. and Look, you're acting like that. Well, we're supposed to do these things because that ain't the way the world does. The pagans love people that are there that love them. That's easy to do, man. And you like to be, or don't we like to be around people love us? Ooh, that's a lot nicer than being around people that hate us. But God says you got to love those the same as you love over here. And you say, oh God, have mercy! <laughs> but He'll give us the strength to do it. And when we hate our enemies, we go back to the person we used to be. We don't want to be there. Uh, Matthew five forty-four through forty-five a. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I want to be children of my Father in heaven, don't you? Hallelujah. The fourth reason we should love our enemies is to prove we are children of God. I'll tell you, there are some people running around here that they say they're God's child, and you wonder, man, are you sure? Let me see your birth certificate. Because we want to do it so people will know that we're children of God. We're children of God act the way that God wants us to act. It's different than being my child. Sometimes I'm glad my children didn't turn out like me in everything that I've done. Aren't you? But God wants us to turn out the way he want Jesus wants us to turn out. And that's only through uh, him can do it. Matthew, Romans, excuse me, Romans, oh, the other one. Oh, there's that verse I was looking for earlier. How did I end up with it there? See, it's in there. Next verse, Romans 5.10. I'm a Kenyan. It takes an education just to make these PowerPoints. <laughs> dice. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reward, reconciled, shall we be saved through this life? Ephesians 2.3. All of us also lived among the world at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of God's wrath. When we were serving the world, serving Satan, basically, we made ourselves an enemy of God. But see, God loved us. He didn't matter. See, we were, in God was our enemy. And so God still loved us. He came and died for us when he didn't have to. When we were on the other side, God died for us. If he hadn't, we'd all be on our way to hell. I'm glad God loved us, aren't you? Hallelujah. Matthew 5:45b. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, if I was only God, only the righteous would get rain. Only the righteous would get the blessing of all the things, as far as nature is concerned. I know you would too, huh? That'd be enough to drive people into the church. Only the people that go to this church get get rain. Here we go, running in here. I mean, that's the way that we are, because that's the way our sinful nature, or, or Ed, I call Ned, which is our old nature, acts. That's what we want to do. But see, God isn't like that. Some of us lie awake at night wanting to think about ways that we can get back that person for hurting us, don't we? We think it makes us like God. I can mean, just sit there and I can just imagine them being punished for what they did. That's just our nature, our old nature. But God isn't like that. 2 Peter 3, 9b. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to Repentance. I know there's a theology out there that says God's already chosen certain ones to be saved and certain ones to be lost. That isn't true. Yeah. That's a lie. God wants everyone to be saved. He said so. And throughout this whole Bible, it's, he wants everyone to be saved. But everyone won't be saved. That's the reality of it. Some people aren't going to be saved and some people are going to die and go to hell no matter what we do. But God wants them to be saved, and once we get saved, he's predestined. That means foreordained, or whatever you want to call it, to become the image of Christ. Once you're saved, this is his will for your life, to be like Jesus. And the more we're like Jesus, the more we're like the world. And the more we're like Jesus, people will be drawn to us, because we treat them better than the world does. Hopefully we are. Hopefully believers treat people better than the world does, because that shows that we're believers, If we're not, then don't tell them you go to this church. (laughs) If we're going to be like God, we need to forgive our enemies as God forgave us. A Sunday school teacher known for his elaborate object lessons, and that Sunday was no different. On the wall was a big target, and on the nearby table was many darts. The teacher told his students to draw a picture of someone that they disliked or someone who had made them angry, and he would allow them to throw darts at that person's picture. One of the girls drew a brother. One even drew a picture of the teacher. The class lined up and began throwing darts at everybody, and everybody got into the fun. Some of the students threw their darts with such force, their targets were ripped apart. When everybody had had their turn, the teacher began removing the pictures from the target, and then he took down... And took down the target. The whole when he took down the target, the whole room gasped as they saw that under the target was a picture of Jesus. The teacher spoke these simple words to the class in Matthew five twenty five forty five. Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. That would be kind of a a good lesson though for kids to learn because Jesus took everything that we've ever done on Himself. So whatever's happened or whatever we've earned, he took for us. Whatever punishment we were entitled to, he took for us. And that in itself should be a reason to come running to God. But of course the world don't because they want to be their own little gods. But um, God knows forgiving our enemies is hard. But as believers, remember, he wants us to go beyond what the world does. I know a lot of people, you know, they seem to, oh, I love my enemy. Sure they do in actions maybe, but not in the heart. God's interested in the heart because when we get our hearts lined up with him, then the other things will come natural because when Jesus lives in us and and the spirit lives and dwells in us and we walk according to his will and purpose, we will do these things because he does those things. It's just a matter of us submitting to his authority in our life and when he does, it's easier to do these things. It really is. I know it's hard to believe. How could it be easier? But it is. It's only hard because we try to do things in our own power. When, if something seems like it's hard for you, back up the train and say, God, am I trying to do this in my own strength? Now, God wants us to do things because it makes us stronger. We go through problems not because God hates us, because he loves us. And he knows we need to be stronger. And you aren't, aren't going to get stronger unless you go through tests. I can want all I want to have a buff body and be able to be a weightlifter, professional weightlifter. Of course, I don't like women... Weightlifters, I've seen them, and there's nothing gorgeous about that. Maybe it's, maybe it's because I'm a woman, I have no idea. And I don't like all the guys with those big, huge, mungus muscles hanging all over everyone, to me, I don't like that. I just like a nice, firm, you know, whatever. But they're not gonna get like that, they're going up, oh, I wanna look like that. I'm gonna be buff like that, as they're sitting at their table eating their cookies and ice cream. And don't do anything. It isn't going to happen. So we have to strengthen the muscles, our spiritual muscles. We have to do those things if we want to be strong. If you don't want to be strong, then don't do nothing. Don't read your Bible. Don't come to church. Don't pray. And you'll become a weakling. And the bullies of this world will sk- kick sand in your face every chance you get. And then you'll go running home crying. They treated me mean. I hate them. Or you can be a powerful person. They won't dare kick you kick sand in your face. They'll be afraid, because God listens to them. God answers their prayers. Man, I better be careful. Of course, some of the world won't matter, just like the Hamas. They keep shooting the rockets, and God keeps diverting them. I'm not saying that someone won't go through, because they may. (laughs) I don't know. It's all in God's plan. Years ago, a woman named Corrie Timbu, not who you are, who you know who she was, wrote the book called The Hiding Place, which described the terrible things she and her sister Betsy endured as prisoners in the Nazi concentration camp. The conditions were, so, were bad enough, but the guards were men, and they humiliated the women in unspeakable ways. After the war, Corrie struggled with her hatred of the Nazis and was frustrated because she knew what Jesus said about forgiving enemies. But she prayed and prayed <coughs> until she finally came to the understanding why she should do that. And became a pop popular speaker and helped thousands of people overcome the bitterness of war. But one day she came face to face with one of her Nazi tormentors. She wrote, it was a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the proce- in processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen that time. And suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, Betsy's pain blanched her face. He came up to me at church, as church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said, to think that as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I, who had preached so often to the people in in Rome, whatever the place is, the need to forgive kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? She prayed, Lord, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing but the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed the silent prayer, Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. I managed to lift my hand and take his, and I took his as I took his hand. The most incredible thing happened: from my shoulder along my arm through my hand, a current seems to pass from me to him. While into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. I discovered that it was not on our forgiveness anymore; that it was our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us along with the command the love itself. Now, I can't even imagine being in that position. Sometimes I have a hard time even talking to people that have done something to me that isn't nearly this bad. But the results are the same, the requirement is the same, and the commandment is the same. Love your enemies. Because in God's eyes, we have no enemies. God has enemies, but we have no enemies. And they're enemies because they want to be enemies. God tells us to love them. So if someone's doing something to you, whether it's your boss or whoever it may be, pray for them. You know, it's amazing when you start praying for people how things change. And ask God to change your heart because we can't do it in our own strength. We say, God, let your love flow through me. Help me to forgive. And forgiving sometimes is just not remembering. That sounds simple, but that's what it is. Because when we see that person... We remember what everything they did to us, and then we start having this anger kind of grew up in our in our body, and we just want to just want to punch him. But if when the thought of it comes in, we see him, and we wipe that thought away, say Jesus died for them, Jesus loves them just as much as He loves you, and don't dwell on those issues, then you can do it. The only way you can do it through God's love, and He wants to do that for us. Now we. If we seek to honor him and love our enemies, we will supply what he'll supply what we needed. We can't do it, but he can do it through us if we'll let him. Sometimes we don't forgive, don't want to forgive. There's the problem a lot of people have. I am not going to forgive because I don't want to forgive. God wants us to forgive, but there are a lot of people in this world says so I am not going to forgive them. I don't care. And there might be people in churches in church this morning. Maybe there's somebody here this morning. That's you. I'm not gonna forgive, I don't care. Well, God says, if you're not willing to forgive, I can't forgive you. Because my forgiveness can't flow through you if you're not willing to let the grace and mercy flow out to that person, no matter who they are. And I know that all of us have people that, that, that we know that have done wrong things to us. And it's hard, it's a hard situation. But God said, it's worth it. It's worth it when you do it. And it's amazing, not only will those feelings start to be gone, that we have towards them. We won't have to avoid them anymore. And maybe God will convict them because a lot of times people don't know that they've hurt us. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt saying, I know they didn't mean to hurt me. And if I think they did, I may ask them. Because a lot of times we're hurt by words and the words weren't spoken in the way that we heard them. I know we went through that uh, love and respect series. We learned a lot about that because we hear through our own experience, people's words. And I've, I've told pe- people when I've done marriage counseling, I says, Before, when you get in an argument about something that someone said, ask them, this is what you said, or this is what I thought you said, and repeat it back to them. Because a lot of times, that isn't what they meant. And you can get the explanation and avoid the hurt. Instead of taking it in and saying, this is what they meant because it wasn't, I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. Separate people from the things that they do. Love the people. Hate the sin. Hate what they did. You don't have to love what they did to you or someone else that you know, but we have to love them. And that's the only way we can do it. And when you do that, it's easier to do. Just see them as someone that God died for because he did. He did. You've probably said things yourself, and I know I've had. I've said things as a believer that have hurt people. Not that it didn't mean to. Didn't, didn't do it on purpose. Sometimes things come out, don't they? And when we do, we got to have the, the fortitude or the whatever to apologize because sometimes that's the best thing we can do is apologize and they can see that God's love truly is ruling in our heart. But we can't have the power to love our enemies if we don't have received God's love in our life. Yeah. You can't do it. It's impossible. When you try to live the, the truth of the Sermon on the Mount or what's in this book, we cannot do it. It's impossible. That's why people get discouraged because they don't understand you can live a relationship, but you can't live a religion. Religion is rules and regulations, but a relationship is something you live, something that, that you have a connection with. That you can live. And if you're having trouble this morning, let God live it through you. Rely on his strength and not your own. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Precious Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. And I know this is a hard message to a certain degree, for maybe for some people, because there's a lot of wrongs that's been done to people, a lot of wrongs that have been done to the people that are here this morning. A lot of wrong, wrongs that's been done to me personally. But I know what? I've got to get past that. I, we have to forgive the people. They love the people. Forgive what they did. We don't have to allow them to do it again, but we have to forgive what they've done and start loving and praying for them. Because we know, Lord, that only you can change hearts, change our hearts and change theirs. We know you'll change our hearts, their hearts or the circumstances. But we know, Lord, we can't do it without you. And, Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you and they're trying to struggle with doing this stuff, I pray, Lord, that you give them the courage to be able to make that decision this morning. Let their life be different from this day on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that most of us are believers here, and you've accepted Christ, and you've joined the winning team because we are on the winning team. I hate losing worse than anything, don't you? I hate it when my football team loses. Man, we hate that. You know? <laughs> but we're on the winning team. How do I know that? I've read the last chapter and we win. Yeah. I've re- read the end of history of this world and the, the existence of man and we win. So we need to get on the winning side. Maybe here this morning say, I don't know God, but I want to join the team. Anyone here this morning? Okay.